We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Welcome back to 10 Questions. This week's guest is one of my favourite actors, a performer who can do comedy and drama, stage and screen, and that's Cat Stewart. Cat got a degree in marketing and arts before attending the National Theatre Drama School at night while working as a publicist during the day. After graduating, she started making guest appearances on The Secret Life of Us, Stingers and Blue Healers, before landing her first leading role on BBC Supernova, opposite Rob Brydon. After that came her award-winning turn as Roberta Williams on Underbelly, followed by Newstopia, Tangle, Offspring, Mr. and Mrs. Murder, and now Five Bedrooms. We discussed most of those shows in this interview and a few more. But before getting down to the questions, we talked about our childhoods, and Kat happened to mention that she went to school with Portia de Rossi. I remember her. Um, I wasn't, it's not like we were mates, but we went to a couple of the same parties and had a couple of friends in common. She was only there for a year. Um, but she was just so glamorous and she had a pager oh, wow. um, because she was a model and, like, everyone was obsessed with her and, you know, hugely jealous and all that stuff. It was fantastic. Ah. <laughs> Imagine having a pager. And she already had the hair. She was amazing. What was that? Sorry. Imagine having a pager. She had a pager so... for modelling jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. Oh, that's fantastic. And then she made that big yeah. thing of going back there and she wore the school uniform and everything. That's right. Yeah, with Ellen. That's right. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah she was there, she was there for a year, but yeah, she definitely made an impact. She was super super glamorous. Now to question one: When was Cat most happy? I don't have a single time when I was most happy. I've had particularly um, happy days, you know, and they're usually milestones because you tend to kind of they're structured around you know an event or something, you know, like your wedding day or mm. you know a, a great birthday or something. But um, as I'm getting older I'm kind of appreciating that happiness doesn't have to be that kind of giddy elation rush you know that that you're kind of chasing when you're younger um it's you know such a cliche but it's the little 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 fleeting moments where you're just content Mm. um so and they're often you know that kind of happiness and absolute exasperation or rage (laughs) can happen in the same day. So, you know, but and lockdown's kind of really kind of been a bit of a, a pressure cooker for all those emotions. And I've had some of the best times, but, you know, clearly also like everyone, you know, you have the really rotten days mm. as well. So um, I, I had a moment just in bed with the cat, Dave, my husband and the two kids, and we were just hanging out, having a bit of a lion, just, you know, chatting in bed. And that was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm happy, you know. Oh. You just have those little moments where you think this is pretty good. That's right. But yeah, we were probably we we're probably squabbling, you know, an hour later. But it was, you know, in that moment. <laughs> Do you find it when you th- th- this happens to me? Um, when you get a role, your, your mm. agent rings up, says, "Oh, they want you," and you get you're so mm. happy for a few hours, and then you yeah. realize you have to do it. You realize you have to do all the work. <laughs> it is the best. It's the best that time where you can feel really cocky and great because you've got to, you know, you, you, and then, but yeah, then you realize you have to deliver and it's pure white knuckle terror. <laughs> but yeah, those moments, those hours or days beforehand is just fantastic. That, that is pure happiness. That is brilliant without any responsibility before the responsibility kicks in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, question two Who would you like to apologize to and why? 
I've had a little think about this and, and I think maybe I think it's particularly kind of my generation and older with women in particular we're programmed to apologize at the drop of a hat I apologize like I'm so trigger happy on the apologies I think I overdo it if anything and I love how um hanging out you know doing what we do you're around people of all ages all the time and and people who are younger than me are better at taking up their own space mm. and, you know, saying what they need and not kind of turning themselves into weird shapes to try and please everybody else. There's probably someone I need to apologise to, but chances are like, I already got to it. Like I apologise all the time too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, the people-pleasing thing too. And I think there's, you know, I think actors mm. want to be liked, you know, whether we want to admit it or not on some level. Um, I know you're many other things as well, but I'm primarily an actor, so... I definitely want to be liked. And, um, yeah, I, I, I have to check myself sometimes because it's good to apologise and it's good to own your mistakes. But also, you know, if something goes wrong, I'm the, I'll, look, I'll look for whether it's my fault first, whereas I know a lot of other people will look to blame everyone else and I think I'm, I need to probably just watch that a bit because, you know, it's not always, not always right. But, you know, if there's someone out there who's listening who I've offended, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just just tweet me and I'll, I'll tell Kat. Um, <laughs> uh, question three, what is your greatest regret? Um, I don't think there's much point. Um, you know, it would have been great if I'd been one of those really front-footed, definite, super confident, motivated killer people you know if, you know if I it would have been great if I'd been a 12 year old who knew I wanted to be an actor and, and could have set myself up and 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 got an agent really young and gone after what I wanted and had the confidence to back myself in that way but it's just not who I am so given the personality I am um you know I came to acting late I just didn't think it was a proper career I, I did other things first and um so it would have been yeah I kind of it would have been great if I found it earlier, but by the same token, I can't. I can't change who I am. So I, that would be the main thing, you know. Whether I'd, if I'd started earlier, but I, I just don't think there's much point. Regret. It's not really a regret. It's just an observation, I guess. Really. Yeah. Because what? Well, I mean, what? Uh, what did you do before you did acting? Because you went to the national. So, right? uh, yeah, I went. So I did marketing and arts and studied acting at night when it was a nighttime course for three years, and that's when I came across you, Adam Zwar. That's right, Kat was a publicist and every now and then she'd call me up and get me to write stories about authors that she was promoting. So it was kind of weird that we ended up working together as actors many years later. You were at the National when you were like, say, 23 or something? or 20- Yeah, so I think I finished there when I was about 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd done, I'd done, you know, some, I've studied, done marketing and arts first and then worked as a publicist and then, yeah, just supported myself for a while. Um Got an agent straight away, got a couple of jobs straight away afterwards and then then things got a bit quiet after that. Got a couple of good jobs and then very, very quiet for a while. So I was doing lots of publicity and lots of contract stuff and harassing you. When Kat says things were quiet for a while, she was actually working solidly as an ensemble member for Melbourne's iconic Red Stitch Theatre. And after many critically acclaimed and award-winning performances, she was cast opposite Welsh actor Rob Brydon in the BBC comedy Supernova. These days, Bryden's best known to Australian audiences for hosting the evergreen panel show Would I Lie to You and for his deft impersonations on the trip opposite Steve Coogan. Did you get an entree to all the uh, impressions? Yes. He was <laughs> non-stop. It was the most fun ever. 
<laughs> and I, well, none of us knew who he was at that point. Um, now, obviously, we all know who he is now. But then I remember him actually saying, you know, I'm, I've been on Parkinson. I'm actually quite famous. <laughs> That's so funny. This little, this little Welsh guy. Um, he, was, <laughs> he was, yeah, no, and we've, um, we caught up year before last. He was out in Australia for his tour and we, we had lunch and it was so great to see him. He was so much fun. So just following on, so Supernova and then Underbelly after that, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. We'll probably get to that later. Uh, what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? I think my life is more than satisfactory. Um, I feel like satisfactory is like basic needs. To me, satisfactory is just kind of being able to get by and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy. I've got, I'm, I'm being parachuted into a, you know, a loving household and um, I've had, you know, the benefit of education and, uh, you know, I've, it's more than satisfactory. There's still stuff I want to do, but um, I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm aware of how lucky I am. What do you want to do? I just want to keep, I want to get better. Mm. I just want to get better and I want to, um, I want to do different kinds of roles. I want to get more involved in the storytelling parts of it. Um, but I just, I want to surprise myself. I want to I just want to get better. Yeah, I want to work with great people. Kat's always surrounded herself with great writers, or maybe they've surrounded themselves with her. There's Fiona Series, Sean McAuliffe, Christine Bartlett, the Oscar-nominated Tony McNamara, and most recently Michael Lucas on Offspring and Five Bedrooms. He's one of my favourite writers in the world, and I know you've worked with him too. And he's just yeah, his dialogue is just delightful. And he and Christine Bartlett together, they're like a superhero together. Um, so they both wrote um, many episodes on Offspring, but now they're doing the show Five Bedrooms together, which um, I'm having so much fun doing. So, you know, he's, he's been um, a big, big part of my acting life the last um, 10 years or so. In Five Bedrooms, Cat plays recently divorced lawyer Liz Wendell, who moves into a share house in her 40s. Season one was a runaway success, and most of season two was shot between Melbourne's first and second lockdown. So the first series... Yeah, we was kind of untouched by the pandemic, but series two, yeah, we had to stop halfway through. And, um, like, you know, we were so lucky. We had three months off and we were able to come back. And um, it was the, the measures that we put in place were really, really, really strict. When we didn't really understand that That's it was right. kind of more of an aerosol thing, we were just, it was all about surfaces and and it was very intense, but it was, um, it was great to finish it. And, you know, it, Michael and Christine were just so brilliant in their, they honoured the storylines but were able to adjust so much to kind of adapt to the, the measures we had to put in place in terms of distance and where we shot things and, and also kind of, you know, there were some romance stuff, romance stuff in the show that, you know, you couldn't do kisses. So they kind of wrote it like a, like a 40s kind of snappy kind of, old school romance with great zingers instead of instead of you know physical stuff which is fantastic and actually I think more fun in a lot of ways so yeah they really nailed oh, that's it. great that's really great yeah. because you know it, it's an interesting thing with Aaron Sorkin does it like he has very very rarely does he have kissing in anything he does because he's like harking back to that time when you know it was better like a look or dancing it's, much, it's so much more exciting all the anticipation so mm. like, i don't really need to see people you know pashing on on screen it's kind of like uh, yeah. so it's so rarely done well so um yeah i'm i'm here for it it's great who is the person who most influenced you and how 
Um, I would probably be, I'd have to say, it's, it's got to be both my parents. I couldn't choose one um, for different reasons. Um, Mum, who's unfortunately no longer here, but she was, uh, is and was and is a huge influence just in the way I am a mum and just kind of live in the world, just her values. Whereas um, dad is also a huge influence in terms of, they're just really, it's hard to explain, and they're kind of, mum was kind of really charming and self-effacing and dry and funny and dad is really charismatic and dynamic and confident and able to take risks and just has always backed himself. So I I kind of try and take different qualities from each of them, but they've, you know, I was loved. I've always been loved really hard by my parents. I've been lucky, so lucky. A lot of people don't get, you know, um, don't get the benefit of being raised by people who really look out for them. And I was, I was really lucky. Great, great parents. And what did they do? Um, so mum was home with us, which, you know, doesn't happen anymore really very often, which is amazing for us. And um, dad, um, lawyer, they're just great people. And they're also, you know, they were, that's, always been my friends not always not the teenage years but after that (laughs) (laughs) um I would you know some of my biggest nights have been at family dinners when I've just we've had way too much fun like they're great company oh that's brilliant and and what do they think of your career your acting career I think they're privately horrified because they're sane um but um always supportive you know mum and dad have been uh and dad since mum died have been to every single opening night I've ever had Mum would come multiple times um, and just always there to support, watch watch everything, would always ring, you know, just great, great support. Even though, and they, they'd wring their hands when things weren't going well or if I missed something I really wanted. But, you know, there to celebrate the successes too. Oh, that's lovely. And, and yeah. were they, and what did they think of Underbelly? What did they think of Roberta? <laughs> they were so brave. <laughs> well, it had to be no, a scary time for you, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, well, we had that overlap, didn't we, for in Underbelly? Yeah. Just a, just a few scenes, you and I, but yeah, yeah same series. Kat won an AFI award for her portrayal of Roberta Williams, the wife of gangland boss Carl, and I provided light relief as one of Carl's henchmen. But back to Kat's parents. They were they were really great, you know. They, they knew it was a job that was really exciting for me to get and, um, you know, they were all... They were, they were really supportive. Yeah, yeah. Were they, they were worried when, like, that there seemed to be a little bit of weirdness in the in the paper and everything with Roberta coming down to the set and all that kind of stuff? Um, I think we were quite, which is good, quite naive um, about all that initially going into it, and it sort of dawned on me, you know, a bit later on, you know, just that it was more than a job, you know, and that was there were real people around and it mattered to them, you know, just you know, understandably mattered to them. Um, no, they were they were great. They were great supporters. What was interesting when we were filming the show was how timely it was. We'd be reading about the court cases involving key players in the Melbourne gangland wars while we're on set playing those characters, and the whole saga seemed to just captivate the city. It was such. It was everyone knew someone too. Like that wasn't that wasn't apparent to me when I when I first got the job and had that thrill we were just talking about earlier. And then you realise you have to deliver. Um, everyone had a story. Everyone knew a Moran or knew um, someone mm. from the Williams crew um, and, you know, living in Melbourne at the time. It was intense. It was intense, but it was also really exciting. 
no, it's all coming back to me, but yeah. there was, um, the transcript of the court cases would come out in the age and they would change the dialogue on set sometimes, like depending, you know, what had been reported to have been said. Cause you're shooting yeah. the scenes uh, on the day, you know? It was, yeah. Yeah. It was real, real time. And then of course we didn't even get to see it ever in its entirety. I don't think in Melbourne, oh. I don't think we ever played the whole thing. We pixelated Tony Mockbell's character and didn't show all the episodes even. Yeah. And there was that great bootleg, you know, DVD industry. Big markets. The Vic Mar- you go down to Vic Markets and get the DVD. <laughs> oh, um, still old. DVDs. Oh, DVDs. <laughs> the Victorian Supreme Court banned the series from being aired in Victoria as it was feared the show would undermine future trials of underworld figures. But there were unauthorised DVDs you could purchase from a stall owner at the Victoria market. And when the show finally aired in Victoria, it was heavily edited. Moving on to question six, when was the last time Kat cried? And why? I, uh, I'm a good crier. I don't, I don't mind a cry. I think it's pretty cleansing and cathartic. And I am, um, I actually, I think the last time I cried was I was just reading the news. <laughs> just an article hit me in the heart. It was about um, uh, a woman in her 80s whose granddaughter found out that one of her great regrets was that she wasn't able to wear a, a traditional white wedding dress on a wedding day because of segregation and racism in the South where they came from. And so her granddaughter organised for her to go into a shop and have her make, hair and makeup done and, and have a photo taken in beautiful wedding dresses. And I was just kind of, it was so gorgeous, but also sad at the same time. And I, it destroyed me. Of course, of course. And, and how are you with it, with the crying when you have to cry on set? Um, I, if anything, I cried too much. I am, um, <laughs> I don't like letting anyone cry on their own. So it could be someone else's crying scene and I have to do my times tables not to, I can't upstage someone else's crying scene. I, I just, I'm a, I'm a crier. So it's not, it's, it's rarely is it a problem. In fact, it's the opposite. <laughs> trying to keep a lid on it. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that thing where they blow that stuff into your eyes. Um, I have done it when they've been long days. I, I have done it in my, you know, in my life, but not, not too often. No, I yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> um what is your current state of mind um pretty good i mean we're in at the time of recording this we're in we're in lockdown number five in melbourne so it's been uh choppy you know 15 16 months for everyone i'm pretty good but it's that kind of it's like a small good because you don't want to get too expansive because you don't want to get slapped down again like yeah. we're so used to contracting and expanding um but pretty good, you know. I I've, I can't complain because uh, we you know we're okay. But but it's, it's, it's there are strange times, and if you think about the state of the world and and look at the big picture, and it can be a bit overwhelming. So it's just trying to kind of keep it on an even keel. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a strange. I think all of us are kind of going through something. Mm-hmm. And it changes day to day or, you know, hour to hour sometimes depending on what's going on. It's actually bizarrely comforting to know that you're not alone in it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Question question eight, what do you consider your greatest achievement? I don't think about achievements very often, but I'd say it's corny. I, I mean, I've got two little kids, um, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and they're, they're pretty great. Um, you know, everyone says that. I wish I could come up with something else. Um, 
I think probably the fact that I'm doing what I do being who I am is probably a miracle because I don't really think I'm um, necessarily the best personality type to do what I do. But um, so I'm, I'm pleased about that because I really love it. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're a little bit, uh, I find you uh, more stable <laughs> than a lot of other actors. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe lockdown's going to kick that out of me. But um, no, I, I, I know I'm not, um, yeah, I know, I know I'm pretty low key mm. compared to, yeah. So I think that it's probably, and look, I was doing it under the radar in a pretty quiet way. Not that I wanted to be under the radar. I wanted more work, but I was working pretty quietly for a long time. And I think um, sometimes I think it's miraculous because I've got a lot of good friends particularly in theatre, you know, who, yeah, it could have, could have been someone else. So, I'm, yeah, I think that's, 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 I'm pleased about that, that I'm doing what I love. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, question nine, uh, who would you want on your side in a battle and why? I hate conflict. I hate it. Uh, I'll do anything to avoid it unless, <laughs> weirdly, unless it involves my kids um, or, or family, someone I love. Um, something weird happens and I'm capable of homicide if someone threatens somebody I love. Like I remember I was shocked by it because I sort of feel, feel like I'm a fairly mild-mannered person, but I remember being in a little playground when my little boy was, you know, like in a pusher. He was really little. He was really friendly and he was smiling and saying hello to another little kid and the other kid just stuck their tongue out at him and he was so shocked. And I, I didn't want to thump this like two year old. And you can't do that. <laughs> but, there's, <laughs> but there's some fire in me if my kids, someone crosses my kids or, or my brothers or my dad. I'm, so I think um, I, I know what I want. I've got really sound advice. David, my husband, is really grounded and sane. My dad gives fantastic strategic advice. He's got a just, he was a great litigator and mediator and he's just really on the ball and smart and thinks three, four steps ahead of everyone else. So he'd be great. He'd be a great strategist. And my best mate, um, Caroline, who's been my friend since I was about 16, um, I'd want them, I'd strategize with them and then I would um, probably hide <laughs> <laughs> until, until the crisis passed. <laughs> that's brilliant what would you like and last question what would you like your last words to be uh first thing that comes into my head is i love you too oh, that's nice i would like to be uh i would like to be with people i love i think um i was with my mum when she died and have you been with someone when they die uh, i i just i i think my mum was waiting for me to go Right. Okay. Well, um, so minute, minutes later, she died. Well, then you kind of, it's not the way it is on TV, is it? No. No. Um, so, and I remember the a palliative nurse talking to me about good death. And I didn't really thought about what's a good death, but I think it's, um, yeah, not being in pain, obviously, and being not having to say nothing left unsaid and be surrounded by people who love you. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be good to say I love you too. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff.